Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Peyton Jones, and I'm here today with my very white voice, unfortunately, because I am trying to get over some strep throat, but never mind about that. You sit back and enjoy my very deep baritone uh, strep throat voice. And today, who you really need to be listening to is Pastor Doug. And I've got Doug on here. He is, uh, I can't just say, uh, I've got Doug on here, but, uh, I've got Doug Connolly. He is the author of 17 books and he is currently the pastor of Davison Missionary Church in Michigan. And we're going to talk to him today because on top of writing 17 books, uh, one of them called Meeting the Spirit, which got my attention. He also uh, has written something new, which might be good for those of you planning churches, uh, called The Seven Letters to the Seven Churches. And it is part of the Life Guide series by IVP. Doug, welcome to Hardcore Church Planning. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Well, tell us a little bit about how you came to faith. Well, I was... Uh... I was raised in a pastor's home, and uh, so I heard the gospel early on and uh, still can remember the night as a young uh, child, really, uh, that came to understand that I was a sinner and needed Jesus. Uh, and my parents uh, knelt with me, and we uh, we prayed, and I, I accepted Christ into my life and heart. And um, grew up knowing him, uh, had those times when I um, either wandered or walked away uh, in spirit. Uh, but um, in college, the Lord really got a hold of me. And uh, I went to uh, Grace Seminary. I was going to go to seminary and then go back to university, get a Ph.D. I wanted to teach um uh, but the Lord had other plans, and uh, we went. We started pastoring a church in the Midwest, and uh, I've loved being a pastor, loved uh, ministering, and I've had large churches. I've had tiny churches, and uh, they're they're unique challenges wherever you are. That's great, man. Well. You know, it's, uh, I, I can say to you now, cause my co-host for this originally is a son of a pastor. So that, that somehow has become a swear word, um, for us on the show, you son, know? Of a pastor. son of a pastor, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, so Pete, Pete would be having great camaraderie, uh, with you on this had he been on this episode, but, um, anyways, uh, so tell us a little bit about seven letters. I mean, it, you know, really everybody knows the seven letters to the seven churches, but you've written a study guide to help people really understand it. Tell us a little bit about um, the, the book and, and, and what you're hoping people get out of it. Well, I, I think primarily uh, what has helped me and, and 
and why I wanted to do this study guide was that the, uh, the seven churches, I think, you can find in any community. Uh, if you go around Davison, where I live, uh, if you go around where any of us live with any, rural, whether it's rural or urban, you're going to find all seven of these churches. Mm. You're going to find the suffering church. You're going to find uh, the dead church. You're going to find the church driven by uh, programs and uh, by the outward appeal to the community, but they've lost their love for Jesus. So mm. uh, that's what really burdened me as I wrote this. It was not just looking back at ancient churches, but using those letters that Jesus wrote himself. I mean, he dictated them to John and, and using those letters to say, okay, where are we? Uh, what kind of church do I pastor or do I attend or am I planting? Uh, the, the other side of it is there are all seven kinds of Christians, probably in every church. And so uh, it's a matter of looking at yourself as well and saying, okay, what am I doing? Where, where's my heart in relation to uh, Jesus and in relation to uh, uh, what he's called us to do? And that's kind of been the philosophy that I've used or the approach I've used in the study guide to to get people to think, not in a, not critically in the sense of let, let's bash the church. Yeah. But where are we and what does Jesus tell us to do in that situation? I love it. I love the fact that you've got um... – you know, I've I've heard guys before, you know, where they've tried to make it be like the ages, you know, and that never really worked for me. But <laughs> when when you say, look, any city will have these, uh, a that's closer to the original, you know, um, there were right. these seven churches in in this this geographic area, sure. and uh, like you said, these seven types of church. I've never thought of it like that, and I think you hit on something really important for our church planners that. Um, that this is an opportunity for them to ask that question. What kind of a church am I planting and to avoid these pitfalls? And I think the other thing that came to mind was when you church plant, you, you try not to start with cheesed off Christians from other, other places. In fact, when I start, I make sure those guys aren't there because they're going to, they're going to get cheesed off with me. I know that's like the next right. step, you know? Um, some people are, are just habitual clergy abusers, you know, um, serial clergy killers, right? They'll, they'll travel from place to place, find something wrong, make a big deal about it and move on. And I've been in established churches long enough to know when I planted, I just recognize it and say, Hey, you know, maybe you should go to a church that has this or that or, or, or is more like you. And so, Hey, our, our thing would always be, we're going to, we're going to reach lost people and we're going to love Jesus. And that's going to be it. That's our, our two agendas here. Right. We're not out to be the cool church. We're not out to do this. We're not out here to, to, to be all for Israel. We're not here to whatever agenda you've got coming in the door. I'm just telling you, it's, it's not our agenda. And I love the fact that people who do come and there are some people that legitimately come with wounds from right. their churches right. that they could come and they could even maybe identify helpfully through the scripture some of these seven churches and go, well, maybe I came from a church like that. Right. 
and and their their wounds uh they need to address in in that light and say it wasn't just me maybe maybe it was the the kind of church that I was in and uh um and and maybe you're in a church where you need to get out uh at this point and say this church is dead or this church is lukewarm uh it's not a church that Christ is going to bless at mm. this point and uh if i'm in leadership maybe i can change it if if it's not going to change then you know what do you do you have to make some hard decisions at that point yeah yeah go plant a new one Right, right. I'm a church planner. Plant yeah. the right kind. That's right. That's right. So, uh, you know, obviously, you've you've been pouring over these seven letters, and you and I talked before. I've got a book coming out called "Reaching the Unreached." Cha-ching. That's the rule. If I say my own book, I gotta give a cha-ching for the shameless plug. That's the penance. <laughs> but uh, now, I, I start off with the letters to the seven churches, and I talk about you know blows that hurt, cleanse away evil, and. You know, sometimes, you know, Jesus, I, I use the picture of like a, a Rocky and Mickey and, you know, he hops in the, he spars with this church because he loves them. And he says, I discipline those I love. And, uh, and, and it hurts reading the letters to the seven churches. Um, it, it, it can, it can be like looking in a mirror. And, and I start off with the fact I got beaten by a rugby player. And uh, when I first got to Wales, I was I was showing you Lloyd Jones's pulpit Bible, and uh, that came with a price tag. And um, I got I got put in the hospital by a big three hundred pound rugby player. And you know I talk about the lessons I, I learned next time run, but mm-hmm. Jesus is trying to he's not just trying to beat them he's trying to have them learn you know right. through through giving this 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 tough talk. And uh, and and I was going to ask you as you went through. What were your, what were some of the takeaways? Like, what were some of the nuggets and the new finds as you sat down that you thought, you know, because already you've given me something where I was like, I never thought about that. Seven churches in my community. What are some other things that were just real gems that came out of your time that, that were, I never saw this before? Yeah. I, I think I had known it before, I think, but the fact that Jesus, uh, there's no condemnation only to two churches. So five out of seven need some correction from the Lord. Uh, they're told to repent. They're told to change. They're told to turn around or, or in some cases he'll fight against them. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's he takes the church so seriously when in an age when we kind of, we kind of, look at the church as well. It's a necessary evil maybe. And and yet Jesus looked at the church and said, this is, this is my program. This is what I'm going to use. And even if it means that I have to, that I have to cleanse it, that I have to uh, reprove them. So to just think about that in terms of, okay, it, what would Jesus say to to me? What would Jesus say to my church? What kinds of correction would he bring? Uh, or would there be would there be just that commendation that he gives to the two churches uh, to say, you're small, you're powerless, but you're faithful to me. Uh, you're you're suffering right now, you're going through a difficult time, but but I'm here. I love you, 
and and I'm with you, and I walk among those uh, lampstands, and just the attention of Jesus to his churches and to his pastors. I think it was a great encouragement to me to think not only that Jesus is walking among the churches, but the angels, however you interpret that, I think I think it can be the leaders, the angels of those churches uh, he holds in his hand and he's he's not abandoned them. He's not he's not uh, done with them. <laughs> you know, he wants to work through them uh, to bring about uh, his glory and to bring about change in the in the body. Um, that's beautiful. I, that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, that's right. I, I had a chance uh, last summer to speak to kind of a, a group of leaders from the missionary church, uh, which is what I'm part of. And uh, they're very much into church planning. And I mean, they're very positive in that respect. And I, uh, But I said, if I look at my church and I look at even the missionary church, Probably that church at Ephesus describes us. We're active. If you come into our churches, we've got things going on. We've got outreach. We've got ministry. We've got programs. But Jesus looks at the heart and says, you don't love me like you used to. There's not that passion. There's not that fire uh, like there used to be. And that's what I want. Uh, The other things are fine. But they're worthless without the passion. And it's, it's just things like that that, uh, you know, have spoken to me as a pastor more so than than what I could even put in the study guide. It, it's really powerful what you're saying, because, you know, I think most of the fights that, that I get into with my wife come from the fact <laughs> that I will not admit, you know, or particularly over the years, my younger years. I've been married 20 years last week. And I think as I'm getting older, I, I have the ability now and it, it feels so good and it just is right. And it's, it's a deep trust on almost anything just to be able to go, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I am a knucklehead or, you know, <laughs> and it's not just uh, waving the white flag for peace. It's literally this, as you get older, you see, you, you just have an ability to go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, as you're saying that, when you mention, you know, where my church or, or, or where we might be at, it takes that humility, but it feels good too to be able to say, cause this is the question. I'm going to put this in a question form. Um, what, as you were studying, um, the seven letters, what did you feel was the opportunity of the believer that Jesus was providing there? Um, is he was telling him these hard things. Cause again, now, uh, young Peyton is going to argue and fight or I'm not going to read that, you know, um, uh, that, that I don't like that or, or move off or push out of my mind. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to admit it. I don't want to come face to face with Jesus and admit these things. If my wife said to me, you don't love me anymore. Gosh, I wouldn't want, oh, I'd argue. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Not taking into account. She doesn't feel loved. And that's that's a whole different subject, but you, you see where I'm going. If Jesus sure. says that to you, it ain't his feelings. Right. <laughs> it ain't his feelings we're talking about. That's that's reality talking. So, sure. you know that same. What's that opportunity that Jesus is providing? 
Um, <clears throat> as I read the letters, I kept I kept hearing the word surrender, uh, even in the word repent. You know, we've made repentance into some emotional uh, response. When I think Jesus, when he says repent, he's saying surrender. And, and really the Christian life, that's what the Christian life is. It's surrender to him as Lord. And it's it's not so much emotional as it is a an act of the will and an act against that nature that you described to argue with him, to to justify what we're doing, to say, well, I, I look at all the things I do for you instead of saying, Jesus, you're right, and, and I have to change. Help me to change. Show me how to change. Uh, and so uh, I think the opportunity in each of the in each of the letters really is given to say, "All right, this this is who you are, or or what you are as a church. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Will you, you surrender to me, or will you just keep on doing what you're doing, tolerating what you're tolerating?" Um, teaching what you're teaching that is not correct, um, allowing people to to disrupt the church in some way. Are you going to just keep on, or are you going to surrender to me and and do what I want you to do? Mm-hmm. If each of us, if I mean, if I got a letter from Jesus today as the pastor of my church, and he said, "Okay, here's what I want you to do." Uh, this is what I see. This is what's good. This is what I don't like. Change these things. I mean, we would have absolutely no problem saying, hey, this is what Jesus wants. But when he says it in these letters, we have a tendency to just kind of brush it aside and say, well, that's yeah, that, that's really not the way we are. You know, we yeah. it may have been bad then, but we're not that bad. As, as, as they say in Britain, uh, Poor Dap. <laughs> That's the other guy, you know, poor Dap. Yeah. But, yeah. but, you know, it, it's, it's really, um, as you're saying that, um, that whole idea of, uh, surrender, um, that, that's a, that's a tough thing to do to surrender. But I, as you're saying that, I'm just really sensing, you know, that, that our church planners out there, um, every once in a while, cause I coach church planners. I'll get a church planner tell me, Hey, like he goes through a breaking point or a surrendering of everything. And I, I've, I've kind of come to this theory with church planners that, that Jesus brings all of us to that point. It could be that we're starting a church and it's all about us. You know, we want people to hear us talk or we want people to, um, you know, love our sermons or, you know, we never got to preach at the sending church and, oh, now's my time. And Jesus just has to break us of that stuff. And, you know, it could be so many different things or I'm going to show everyone how to do it right, you know, and yeah. uh, never mind these knuckleheads that have been in ministry 20, 30 years who, okay, granted, they got their blind spots, but we always tell planners, you need your sending pastor. I don't care what his blind spot is. He doesn't have yours and you need him <laughs> badly. And, uh, and so, you know, as we're, as we're looking at all these things, um, you know, I, I just, I just, I, I don't do this often, Doug, but as, as you're listening, um, church planner, 
uh, there will be areas right now, maybe the Lord is just asking you through this podcast just to surrender to him and don't put that off because I, I sometimes don't think the Lord lets things pop or will give you success. I remember once hearing the Lord say to me, um, I'm, I'm not going to bless you in any of the things you do if you're not close to me. That's been a recurring theme in my life. Um, yeah. I remember, uh, uh, Vance Pittman, a guy in Vegas, he, he's kind of big in the Southern Baptist, but I was, was talking with him one day and he was saying that, uh, the Lord really put on his heart that he was not to, uh, serve him as a pastor. He said, my job is to walk with Jesus. And if I do that and I walk closely with Jesus, ministry will just happen around me. And I thought, man, that is key right there. And that's what you're getting at here. So church planner, I'm just saying that I'm just going to interject it because um, I just, Doug, this is gold, man. This is solid gold stuff you're mining here. <laughs> well, l- let me, let me piggyback on that. That's very good. I think, I think planners, all of us need to hear that. But the planners I have worked with and and observed, if they don't come to that point of surrender, or if they if they refuse that surrender, they're going to fail. They Amen. are not succeed in planting a church. They're going to get to the point where they're crushed by that responsibility, or the or the inactivity, or the you know the lack of people, or whatever it is. And it's it's not going to it's not going to uh, encourage them or bless them, it's going to, it's going to smash them. And hmm. if they just say, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And it doesn't matter. They're headed for disaster spiritually. Yeah. And in the letters to the seven churches bears this out. I mean, you know, here we are talking about where Jesus, you mentioned two churches, you know, Jesus basically goes, Hey, it's, it's, it's time. You've had your time, time up, you know, yeah. you're done. And uh, that, that's scary, you know. It is. It so is. were there any kind of comment? Could you make any sense of that? Does does there seem to be any pattern in the letters where you're looking at it? Or is it just kind of known only to Jesus why it's kind of like time to, oh, <laughs> sorry about it. Normally that's off, but I am sick today. That is my excuse. Um <laughs> Welcome to the podcast where we're very professional. Um, <laughs> but uh, was there any kind of pattern that you saw or was there any explanation you had of that? Or was it just, again, in, in, in his heart and he alone knew? Well, uh, I, I think what Jesus knew, they should have known. Mm. But uh, either were too fearful uh, or too busy to really say, uh, you know, are, are we in our busyness, in our programs, in our ministry, it, are we cultivating that heart for the Lord, that surrender to him? Uh, is there ever an opportunity? Do we ever call on our people, our leaders to, and I'm using the Ephesus church again, just to say, What's your what's your love level here for Jesus? Does this come out of obligation, or does this come out of passion for Him? Mm. Uh, 
the the dying the dead church the 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 corrupt church i mean there's nothing there that they shouldn't have seen that they're tolerating immorality or they're tolerating false teaching or they're they're married to the world and they've moved in and shacked up i mean yeah they should have seen that but it takes jesus to come alongside as it were and say here's what i see it's yeah. what you yeah. should see, but but you don't. You won't. Mm-hmm. If you're a Lutheran church, you don't know it, I don't think, yeah. unless you're willing just to look at look at it through Jesus' eyes and say, Are we you know, are we really uh, just just that kind of church that makes Jesus sick? Or are we where we should be? You know, it's interesting because I have seen guys who have tried to keep the church going, and a lot of times it's out of ego. Um, it is that they're bailing water because right. they don't want to admit that they lost a ship, you right. know. Um, so so the, the ship is sinking, and, you know, uh, they're going to go down with it. And I've seen churches that are dying that men should have handed off to other men who should have right. come in. Um, I've seen churches that, like you said, they're just corrupt and they just probably need to stop existing. You've been around a lot longer than me. And, uh, that's, that's not an insult. <laughs> Look at, I've got enough gray here to, to, to release, you know, this is painful for me to say, but, uh, you know, it, it's funny because, um, I think, you know, we did a, a podcast early on, um, within our first year. So we're, we're hitting four years coming up here in, in a month or two, but, um, it, it's interesting because we, it's actually, I think this is our, our four year anniversary this month because it was coinciding with exponential. But, you know, the interesting thing is that, um, our most downloaded podcast for our first two years was when it's time to quit. Mm-hmm. And so here I am, I'm giving all this encouragement. Don't quit guys. Boom, boom, boom. Gets darkest before the dawn. And my partner is an entrepreneur. He's the son of a pastor. Um, and he, he comes in and says, look, guys, I, I've, I've started up multiple businesses and he goes, and I haven't been around church planning for long, but he goes, I've talked to some of you guys and there's some of you that just do need to quit. And he goes, I see business owners where that's what it is. It's a stigma of failure or it's, it's like the, I, if I declared bankruptcy, I'm a failure and, he, he said, but, but that's what you need to do. <laughs> you need to cut your losses, which is interesting because Paul went to places in Turkey, preached and moved on and nothing happened. And right. what we do is we attach ourselves to this church that may not, it may be Jesus's will for it not to continue. And to be honest, Doug, um, I don't think we ever consider that possibility. Yeah. Yeah, he he went to or thought he should go to places, and the Holy Spirit didn't let him go. Yeah, you know he, he uh, sometimes what we think is the best idea, like you say, is not what Jesus. It doesn't mean, but but we have to find a way to. I don't want to say celebrate that, but we have to find a way to encourage those who make that decision. Instead of saying, "Oh man, he tried," and you know, he he <laughs> he crashed, crashed and burned. Instead of doing that, we have to find a way as a, as believers to say, 
okay, we we did our best. You know, we tried. This wasn't this wasn't what God wanted us to do. Exactly. And, you know, just in, in closing here, um, when, when I founded, uh, the New Breed Network, which is our church planning network, um, over in the UK, it, our, our tagline for planters was the only failure is the one who never tried. Hmm. And so we, we look at failure a little bit differently that our responsibility is to plant, sow, and water, and God alone gives the increase. So we don't quite see planting, sowing, and watering as failure. You know, we're never going to see that as failure. But right. if the church didn't take off, that's okay. You preach the gospel. That was what was important. And uh, But, yeah, you know what, Doug, I could talk to you for probably double the time that we have allotted. This has been... Um, to me, I, I believe this podcast in many ways has been prophetic. And of course, we're talking about the Letters to the Seven Churches, a book by Doug Connolly, which in itself is uh, prophetic. <laughs> it was a word of prophecy, right? And uh, so, uh, brother, it has been an absolute joy. Where can people get this book? Just about anywhere. InterVarsity, I mean, you can order it on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com. Uh, any of the major uh, bookstores can get it. Uh, I need to plug bookstores because there aren't so many of them around anymore. But uh, the uh, just about anywhere that uh, InterVarsity um, has their has their uh, their sales, uh, people can can pick it up. Great. And uh, who, just in closing, we always ask one final question that I need to ask you right now. Um, if, okay, so bear with me now. Who Who is your favorite theologian? Ooh. Living, living. Has yeah, to be alive. I have, I have lots of them. But, mm, uh, so make it interesting. Uh, <laughs> I like Roger Olson a lot. Okay, keep going. Uh, keep going. Who else? Um, I like um, uh, just about any of the good reformed uh, theologians. I I enjoy reading. I'm not uh, totally a uh, reformed theologian, but uh, okay. uh, any of them. All right. Uh, so, so okay, here we go. I'm, I'm just sizing you up here. So this is the question we ask at the, at the end of every podcast. This isn't, this isn't you specific, but it's tailored to you. It's going to fit you just right. So if you and R.C. Sproul were okay. to get into a physical fist fight, and now this is pre-oxygen tank, RC, because he's got the oxygen tank now. Yeah. If if you and RC were to get into a physical fist fight, who would win? Uh, well, I've never met him in person, but I would say probably him, because I've got I've got six year old grandkids who can take me down pretty easily. So <laughs> I love it. You know, we were talking about that whole concept of surrender earlier. So. Yeah. I, I like it. This obviously is hard grain in you because I'm looking at you. Look, you look like you, you know, you got some size on. You. I, I think you might be able to take him, but but he uh, he he golfed for years, and he he might just you know, and he talks about boxing, so he might be a little secret boxer. I don't know. I've heard him talk okay. about boxing quite a bit. I I was part of his uh, tape of the month club for gosh, man, 15 years, and uh, I think I've heard so much of him preaching. Truly, truly one of the great minds of our day, R.C. Right. Sproul. Amazing, uh, great representative. I was talking to an atheist, and he said, you know, um, R.C. Sproul, I listen to him sometimes. 
He goes, he goes, does you guys some good credit. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So anyways, um, Doug, it has been awesome having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. And uh, guys, this has been Hardcore Church Planning. And Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.